joining us now to tell us more about the story is the new columnist for the Wisconsin State Journal and my longtime friend, frequent contributor to our fine little program. It is Jim Polsey. And Jimmy, good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. So, you know me, I like Greg Gard a lot. This story took me by surprise this morning. When you got this email with this audio of this meeting, did this take you by surprise? And take us through your process as this story unfolded for you. Yeah, kind of a two-part process. It didn't catch me by, by surprise only because I had another emailer, and it's very possible it's the same one, had reached out in late March kind of hinting that there was a meeting and in, in which the players confronted guard and it got very emotional. Um, and I did some digging at that point and nobody was willing to talk. You know, you had guys moving on to different schools. You had guys moving on to pro careers who just didn't want to get caught in the middle of it. Um, and so it just went nowhere. And there's been a little bit of smoke over the last couple months, uh, but, you know, nothing that I could report. And then yesterday around four, a little after four, this audio file gets sent to me, and I was a little reluctant to click on it because, you know, you're not supposed to click on, um, you know, files from people you don't know, and it was an anonymous account. Um, but eventually I did, and it was, you know, it was eye-opening. And, and listen, I hope this is, you know, I hope I was fair in this story, and I, it needs to be pointed out. This is 37 minutes of a, of a meeting that took two hours. This is clearly the worst part of that meeting, and it's sent by someone who, you know, clearly has an axe to grind. So I think that context is important, that there was an hour after this meeting that we don't know what happened uh, during that stretch. And, you know, I've had a couple people in the story, it's, it's you know, I, I put that, um, say that they thought it was a positive experience, that they thought something good came out of it, and they thought Greg Gard handled it well. Um, I've also had someone who thought it wasn't handled so well, that nothing changed after this. So I think... You know, seven seniors probably went into that meeting. Um, I, I don't know the breakdown of who felt good about it, who felt bad. So, Jim, what is the feeling you have had? You've covered the entirety of Greg Gard's head coaching career at Wisconsin. Uh, we have obviously had him on the show many times. I was, I didn't, I was taken aback by the basically the point that these seniors were making was that they didn't feel like he cared about them at all. And there's one quote in there, obviously, in particular, I think it's from Trice, that says that he cares more about building his resume than about his players. That surprised me significantly. Um, Even if you knew about the smoke that was uh, billowing, were you surprised at how pointed these players' criticisms were? What's your experience been with guard? Because I know you talked to him after you received this information. Yeah, no, I mean, this this has been surprising. Let's go back a year when Kobe King came out with some of these same concerns that he just didn't feel like, you know, Greg Gard cared for him, the player, um, and that he was just kind of, you know, a basketball player, not the person so much. Um, and it was surprising to hear that for me, right? And then, you know, there was, there was at the time, there were, you know, rumors that other people felt that way. But again, nothing came of it. And the team went on an eight-game winning streak and won a share of the Big Ten title. So it was like, wow, you know, is it just – at the time, to me, it seemed like, hey, it's one guy. Um, They got over this amazing, you know, this chaotic stretch and won a Big Ten title, and they can move on. So, yeah, for it to all come up again this year uh, is a little bit surprising. I was surprised in listening to the entire 37-minute recording just – how pointed 
every player, it's seven guys, um, they were with their criticism. It's not just one guy. It's not just one topic per se. Um, it's seven guys. They, they went from, guy, from one player to the next, and a couple of them spoke twice. Um, a couple of them were more outspoken. But, you know, I felt it was important to get all seven guys in the story because it, it was really a unified front on their part. Um, and, and some of the stuff they were saying, I just, it's hard for me to believe they were saying it to a coach in the room, right, you know, right to his face. And it was directed towards him. Um, that, that was the, you know, that was the hard part for me to, to, to hear again, cause I'm right there with you, Jason. Um, I've had a great re- working relationship with Greg Gard for 10 years. Um, you know, he's been, he's been good to me with his time and insight. So, uh, the picture I have of him is clearly different than one that, that these players have. Or had so when you again, like I need to point out that this was a February nineteenth meeting. Um, I don't know that all seven of them feel as strongly as they do during that thirty-seven minute portion of the recording. Uh, you know that, that that clearly could have changed. Talking with Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. The story is at Madison dot com about the seniors on last year's Badger men's basketball team having a confrontation in a meeting with Greg Gard about how they felt they were being treated. Um, what was Greg's reaction when you called him? You have him quoted in the story, but what 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 did what was that conversation like with him? Yeah, it wasn't. You know, he he was. I think most angry about the fact that it had been leaked and that someone in the went in there with the first, in the first place of, of with the intentions of recording it um, and, you know, clearly had a, a, a plan, a possible plan to share it at some point. Um, you know, there were 11 people in that room, and you're on a team. You build trust. You know, you, you, you're you there for players um, all season long. It had been a really stressful year for, for Greg and his players. Um, so to find out, you know, three months, four months later, that, that, that trust had been broken by one person in the room, um, I think it hurt him. I think he, he sounded to me, he sounded angry, he sounded hurt. Um, and, you know, I, I read him all the quotes I was going to use in the story. Uh, he sat there and listened, um, didn't really respond individually to any, any you, know, you know, quotes or any player-specific complaint. Um, you know, he kept his comments very general. Um, but, you know, he, he did defend himself, and he said there were players in that room who came to him afterwards and, you know, you know, for lack of a better word, made up and, and apologized. And again, like I, I think he thinks that there were people in that room who thought it was a productive session and that, you know, it was, it was over. They moved on, they finished their season. Um, and, and, you know, everybody kind of moves on to what they're going to do. So, you know, that, that was, you know, that was my takeaway from my conversation with him, which lasted over an hour. Like, you know, so much of that was just talking and off the record and, um, I think he was trying to get the information from me. I think he was, you know, I don't know that he never necessarily tried to talk me out of doing the story. Um, but I, I told him where I was coming from and why I thought that if I didn't do the story, someone else was going to do it. Because I know other, at least one other reporter got this audio yesterday. Um, and, you know, my my take to him was, at least with me, it's, a, it's someone you know doing the story who's going to do his best to present both sides and be, you know, even-handed. Whereas someone else could get this clip and just post the 37 minutes without context and it's up and then you're in damage control. So I don't know if that got through to him at all, but um, he was, he was gracious enough this time to, you know, to talk to me, talk to me for 45 minutes to an hour.
So, Jim, you said that you you know obviously there's a lot of players on there. Is is there one thing that Greg, you know, when you read him all those quotes, is there one thing that really hit home, or is it just the colla- the compilation of all this stuff? Because this doesn't paint a very good picture for Coach Gart. Yeah, again, he didn't really comment on any individual quotes. I think it was just kind of a, uh, you know. The, the big picture of it, the fact that it was it had gotten out, like because he had heard this stuff before, right? He sat there for 37 minutes and listened without speaking, um, and let them let them get the stuff off their chest. And then, as I said before, there's an hour at least of of a dialogue between the two. And at one point, you know, a player told me that Greg Gard talked, and you know, he he said he's sorry, it's his fault, not theirs. Um, and and they moved on. So I don't know that he you know was ready to go back and, and comment individually. I think his point was. You know, there's 37 minutes that you have. That's not that's a snapshot. That's not the complete picture. There's 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 more out there, um, and for him to go through individually and comment on on stuff that I knew when he wasn't going to necessarily say the stuff I didn't know. I think he was you know, unwilling to do that. But you know, it's it, you're right. It doesn't paint a good picture. Um, I'm, I've been going back and forth about how bad this is, and and you know, six of those players are gone. One of the assistants is gone. It's, it's a completely new team. Um, did he learn a lesson? Did he did he come out of this with a with a you know was it a productive session for him? Did he learn something? Does he know he needs to get a little bit closer with these players? Which um, someone in his defense was not as easy to do last year as as normal because of COVID, the protocols. Um, they weren't going out to eat on the road. They weren't getting together at home. You know they just. There was so much they couldn't do last year, and one big thing they couldn't do was just go out and blow off steam. They couldn't go to bars. They couldn't go to friends. They couldn't go to um, with their parents all the time. It's just, I think it was just kind of a slow, steady buildup. And then when you start losing games and you start the season ranked number seven in the country and expected to contend for a Big Ten title, and they very clearly had big had Final Four thoughts. You know that was something after their postseason was robbed the previous season. They had designs of being a Final Four team, and and it became pretty clear in January that they weren't the team they thought they'd be. And I just think that only added to the frustrations. And you know, the boiling point was reached on February nineteenth. I think. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you see that Davidson's the only guy that came back, and you know, he was somewhat critical as well. Is it is it just a big picture thing? All these guys wanted to move on and do something else, or do you think? What they said in this piece, there wasn't anything moving forward, but Brad decided that it's still in his best interest to come back and play, or why would he decide to come back and play if all these guys felt this way? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it comes down to individuals, right? I mean, all of them had to kind of process the situation individually. And, you know, Trice and Ford are 23 and 24 years old. I didn't think there was a chance they were going to come back. They want to start making money. Potter's the same way. Um, Reavers is the one who, you know, threw his name in the transfer portal and, and maybe considered going elsewhere before pulling it out and deciding, hey, I'm going to go play professionally. Um, Anderson and McGrory were transfers, and I don't know if they would have had big roles here next year, so I don't know how much that played a role in the decision. For Davison, it was really, he was never going to go anywhere else. He loves this university. I think he's got a, a long-term girlfriend that goes here. Um, he does love, you know, he loves Joe Krabenhoff, who recruited him, he loves he loves Madison and he loves the university. So he wasn't going to go play somewhere else. I don't think that was ever an option. It was just, am I going to start my college my college coaching career? And I think he thought long and hard about it for a couple of weeks and decided I am going to come back. And he's, you know, I quote him in my story, late in my story, that 
he's had his ups and downs with Greg Gard, but it's still a guy that he considers a mentor and, and, and cherishes his time with. Um, so, you know, and that's, you know, again, I struggled with these guys last night when I talked to them because they're saying something on, you know, June 21st, whereas on February 19th or whatever, they were very strong in their criticism in comments, by the way, that they didn't think we're going to get out. Right. This was supposed to be a, a, a private gathering. Um, and, and time might have healed some of those wounds, uh, and, and certainly getting it off their chest might have healed some of that. So it was very difficult to have guys telling me one thing last night that was just completely different from what I was hearing on, on, on the recording. And, you know, that was the challenge of me is for me was just what's, what's real here. And, and what's, you know, what, how much emphasis do I put on stuff that was said three months ago, four months ago? Talking with Jim Polzine of the Wisconsin State Journal, Madison.com is where this story can be found. Jim, um, I thought you did a fantastic job of being even-handed on this. Um, Thank you. I have never played for Greg Gard, but I really like him. And so it was hard for me to read. Uh, I do wonder how he is going to move forward from this and what lessons he takes and how he changes his approach. I think your points about COVID are extremely well taken. I am wondering if this is, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about the Aaron Rodgers story, saying that players are different than mm-hmm. they were 20, 30 years ago. We're talking about professional players there. Well, college kids are too, right? And I'm wondering how much of a function of how college kids, you know, we talk about the transfer portal. Greg, the last time he was on, made a comment that I think people did not appreciate about the transfer portal. I'm just wondering, like, I read Nate Reaver's quotes and what he said in there, and part of me is wondering, did this impact the way he played, or was he playing poorly and looking for an excuse as to why he was playing poorly, as I read some of the things he said? How much of this do you think is just, kid? and, and you know, you and I are at this age where we could say this, <laughs> kids are different now, right? Do you see Get that as part of this equation? Yeah, no, it's something I absolutely considered. I, actually, Otsi and I were talking this morning about that because, you know, I, I think that's very much part of this. I think they're different than they were five years ago. I mean, you know, we don't have to go back much farther than that. Like, I just remember that 2015 team um, as being a very, very talented, very, very fun team, right? And, and that, was, that was what made it special. But another thing I thought made it special was that it was a group of guys that never got – above the program they they were very much in it for each other and for for the w and and for bo and his staff um it was a special group of kids it was a special group of parents you know frank kaminsky didn't play his first two years very much and his dad wasn't going to give him an out and say go somewhere else his dad was going to tell him stick with it and and play through it and and try harder work harder you know prove you belong on the court um, and you can go down the list of guys, Sam Decker's dad, all those guys, you know, they, they just, it was a, it was a unique group for so many reasons. And that's one of them is they just, they were about, um, the name on the front of the Jersey, not the back. And as cliche as that sounds, you know, I think that's true. And I'm not, I don't want to make, make it sound like this particular group was, is, was about the name on the back and not the name on the front. But I do think five years later or six years later, we're looking at an era where kids have probably transferred before they've gotten here and they're certainly more willing to look into transferring once they get here i just think you know everybody i think if you talk to ben bross he probably considered transferring early in his career but i don't know how serious it was 
Now I think that timeline has been moved up in part because it's so easy. It's just so easy to move now. And if you're unhappy, I think it's, it's, it, it's easier to get unhappy quicker. Um, it just, it's just, you know, it, it's easier to look around and, and realize, Hey, the situation is bad. But I also, you know, this is so much that we don't know. And so much, I don't know, Jason, about this group. Cause I'm, this year, I was not around this group as much as, as I normally was. Right. It was all Zoom interviews and, and maybe a couple phone interviews. I didn't interact with them. I didn't shake hands. I didn't look them in the eyes with, when I had questions. So I just feel like I knew less about this team. Um, and the thing I'll say is it looked like a team that was off all season long, and that's why when I heard those that, that recording last night, it, it, it did sound like, huh, now it makes a little more sense. This this Some of this stuff was brewing, and, and maybe this explains why they didn't live up to their potential. Um, at least part of the explanation. So, yeah, I think you're right. It's 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 a different time, and I don't know that it gets any better. I think it's just going to be more and more challenging for coaches to keep players happy um, and and keep a unit around that that sticks together and and is happy for three four years. Yeah, Jim. I from a locker room standpoint, the fact that someone recorded this. Yeah, I don't know how you ever. I mean, you have to figure out who did it, obviously, but. The trust when you're in those, I mean, there are conversations that are tough. And to have to, as a coach now, you know, you're, you, you, up, you know, the days of Bob Knight are long gone, anyways. But the idea that you can't have open and honest conversations, I'm sure you mentioned that bothered Greg. That bothers me just as yeah. a, someone that has been in locker rooms. If you don't have that trust, it's going to be really tough to cohere to be a cohesive team. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. I got. I'm gonna say one thing, and I have a question for you, Mark. Um, my comment is: If you're Greg Gard now, what do you do every time you have a meeting? Do you make people leave their phones um, at the door? I mean, do you do you make them empty their pockets? It's just. It's this is such an eye-opening event that happened. And listen, the part of it is. I suppose you have to trust the guys that came back, um, the guys that you have now, because there's a really, really good chance that, you know, there's, I, I think seven of the 11 people in that room um, are no longer with the program. So there's a really good chance that it was one of them who did this right. And I, I think you have to understand that. My question for you, Mark, is, and the one thing that came up last night in talking to people was, hey, you know, things happen in locker rooms. This stuff happens all the time. I, you know, I can, I can give you countless examples of this stuff happening in locker rooms. And part of me is like, yeah, you know what? I've never, I'm not a professional athlete, never been a professional athlete. And maybe this stuff does come up in, in, in college and, and pro locker rooms. But it was hearing, it was hearing the pointed criticism from player to head coach that, that, you know, that made me take a step back and say, whoa, I don't think that's normal. If this is no. a family atmosphere, as they claim it is, this sounded very much like a dysfunctional family. And so I'm curious in just what your reaction is. No, just, you, does stuff like this happen? It, it, you know, typically if you have something like this, now basketball is obviously different than football, you would go up to his office and you'd have these discussions. You know, when things settle down, that's why you never, you, know, you never do these things right after games. You, know, you Typically you get done, then you settle down, you go talk about it. But, to be this coordinated and to tape it, that is, that's, you know, unheard of. You remember when Antonio Brown was taping a post-game thing? Because you're saying stuff about your opponents and other things that are meant just for you. That, you know, if I'm Greg Gard, you can't be Johnny Paranoia. 
but you also have to you have to regain that trust that what you're doing is with this group. So that as a coach that would be that would be tough to overcome. And I'm glad Jim it's not just Jason that has to can always always has to ask a question on top of answering a question. That's just that's one of the things that state journal guys like doing. I learned from the best. <laughs> yes, and his name is Tom Oates. Uh Jimmy just before we let you go, I just want to point this out. You've probably seen this already, but a tweet from Sam Decker, who yeah. had his problems with Bo Ryan during their time together. Who the hell gave these guys the idea that they're bigger than the program? Never been angrier reading an article. And recording a meeting is the softest thing I've ever seen. Grow up. Coaches coach. Guard isn't the one on an eight-minute scoring drought every game. Get out of here. That is from Sam Decker, who had his own issues at times with his head coach during his playing career. Jimmy, you did a balanced job. You did a great job. We appreciate you making time for us to give us the insights into the process. Thanks, buddy. Yep, thanks for having me, guys. Take care. The story, again, is at Madison.com right now. This bothers Uh, me on a lot of levels, man. I would agree, and we'll explore more of that and continue the conversation next. It's Wilde and Tausch.